we are to glorify God in that. Um, I am uh, the, the minister of young families here and children, and uh, it's, it's my great joy what I get to do is to, uh, to do life with uh, these young parents, these, these other families. I get to teach their children and, and run things over in the, the children's building. And this morning, you'll notice, we do have a, a lot of young children in here. It's Family Worship Sunday this week and next week. And so we're glad to all be in here together. Um, I do want to recognize uh, just children's workers that, that serve in our children's ministry. Um, somebody made the comment a few weeks ago that uh, it's its own church over there on Sunday mornings. We have so many children uh, among our body that when you're over there serving, you are functioning as a church over there. And, uh, and we have our home groups that rotate through. You guys have been amazing coming through and, and serving our children, uh, serving our parents very well, allowing parents to come in here and sit and, and, and worship together with the body. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for that. But I, I want to ask those who serve more than just with their home group, if you would just stand up. If you're, and I, I'll start calling you out if I need to. I know who you are. But if you serve on these, uh, these family worship Sundays, they're all over there right now. That's the problem, right? If you serve on these family worship Sundays and you, you step in when your home group's not over there, would you just stand up? Maybe out with COVID or something. Oh, thank you, thank you. See, these humble servants, they didn't want to stand up. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's, yeah. There's many that, that aren't here. I know they're out with sickness, and um, like I said, they're probably over there helping out. Uh, thank you guys for the way you serve consistently and, um, and just whenever. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's crazy um, to, to care for children in the first place. You know, we, we say it's controlled chaos, and we do the best we can. But many of you are willing to step in and help no matter what, and, uh, and we, we greatly appreciate that. So thank you so much. Um, as we get started, we're talking about the sanctity of life and, and what it means to be human. I just I, I want to acknowledge and say before we do start that, um, that we do have a very gracious Lord. When we discuss how sacred life is and, and the great gift that it is, just like our dedication earlier in this, this sermon now, I know many of us feel the pricks of pain uh, from the very real wounds that death of all kinds has brought to us. I know many of you may be there right now, or you may go back there to that reality from time to time, but I want to remind us that our Father is, is the Father of all comfort, and He knows our pain, and He is, is with us, and as we celebrate life, we think about life, we can't ignore that loss is still there as well. God is near us, and He is with us, and praise Him for that. I know this death can come in all many different ways that, that, that hurts us, that, that opens these wounds. As today we'll talk about abortion a little bit. I know miscarriages, infertility, death of a child, unexpected death of a loved one, sickness, end of life care for loved ones, caring for those who can't care for themselves, and suicide, abandonment, pain from the guilt of not valuing somebody else's life, or even never feeling valued yourself. I know this pain is very real, and so does our Father. 
It's because these pains are real. I think that we know deep down inside how valuable life is. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And so we're going to dive into the Word today and continue to look at, at how it is a gift, what it means, and how we respond to that. We are created human in the image of our great Creator, unlike all of creation. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Wonderful thing. I know we pray a lot here. You guests are probably going, man, y'all pray more than you do anything. But as we continue, let me pray that our hearts would be settled here and that we would listen to what the Word says to us. Father, please, uh, please help us today to, uh, to sit under your Word with open hearts. Let our ears be opened, our minds be opened. <clears throat> Lord, work in our hearts through your Holy Spirit, through your Word. Uh, Lord, have mercy on us today and let us see uh, the value of human life. Not just our own, Lord, but the value of all human life. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is recognized as the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And uh, this came about back in, uh, man, way long time ago. Some of you might have been alive. I'm just kidding. Back in 1977, the famous uh, court case of, Supreme Court case of Roe versus Wade, when uh, abortion was given as an illegal option to pregnant women, um, 11 years after that took place, President Ronald, 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 Ronald Reagan, he was a very pro-life, he recognized uh, January 22nd as Sanctity of Life Sunday, Sanctity of, life, of Human Life Day. Now, we celebrate that on the closest Sunday that we can to it, um, but what this was intended to do was to, to uniformly and, and together affirm that life begins at conception. And it was used to commemorate all the lives that had been lost because of abortion. And those lives affected, the, the lives of those mothers and the, the way they were affected by abortion. It was also to recognize the sanctity of all human life from conception until natural birth. As we know, the world in which we live in does not agree with all of this. Al Mohler said that we live in a total abortion culture. If you keep up with the news, I'm sure you're aware of what's taking place in Texas right now where they've banned abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. This is something that we can celebrate and see as a fight that is, is very good. There is value being seen in early pregnancy. This is a big deal. It's not where we as Christians, Christians ultimately desire to be, but it is a good fight. In Alabama currently, it's legal to have an abortion up to 22 weeks. And for those that don't know, that's almost, that's over halfway of a full-term pregnancy. I think we should pray that, that our courts would, would, would fight the same way that Texas is, but ultimately to, to outlaw all of abortion. But this is not a political talk or an, a, a talk of agenda. This is uh, a, a sermon aimed at seeing all of life as valuable as God has created it to be. Like Moeller said, we live in a total abortion culture. Abortion is a very big issue, and today we're going to look at that. We want to stand as Christians and see how we are to value all human life as image bearers of God. We're going to focus on the value of human life because we are given value as humans by our Creator. 
What we're talking about today is all of life, from conception to natural death, and how we are to compassionately carry the hope of the gospel to the brokenness of those who are in dark places in need of God's mercy and grace, which has been all of us people. There are people all around us of whom we, are, of whom we who are now in Christ once were, who have no idea what it means to be human, to be made in the image of God, an image bearer of their creator. Because of that blindness, many bad, sinful decisions have been and are being made. There's abortions, addictions, loss of custody of children, orphaned babies, broken marriages, hurting people, suicides, values, um, murders, assaults. People all around us who have no hope and have no sense of the meaning of life. They have no idea of the value that God has given them or others, and without us going and loving our neighbor with compassion and mercy, with the hope of Jesus Christ, then they will continue in their helpless, broken state. One of the catechism questions that your children have learned in Foundations of Grace is how and why did God create us? The answer to that is, he created us male and female, in his own image to glorify him. The first part of that was covered last week uh, as Corey preached on uh, biblical sexuality. And this week we're going to look at what it means to be made in his image and how we glorify him in that. Genesis 1, 26 through 27 says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Most of us have probably heard this our whole life, but we fail to sit and really consider what it means to be made in the image of our creator. God, in all of his splendor, majesty, and holiness, created us, humans, to image him. Not the, an- not the animals, or the angels, or the seraphim, or the mountains, or anything else. He chose us to be his image bearers. And then he himself came as one of us. And he calls us to grow in his likeness to him in order to image him even more. Listen to what Wayne Grudem says about considering our dignity as image bearers of God. He says, it would be good for us to reflect on our likeness to God more often. It will probably amaze us to realize that when the creator of the universe wanted to create something in his image, something more like himself than all the rest of creation, he made us. This realization will give us a profound sense of dignity and significance as we reflect on the excellence of all the rest of God's creation. The starry universe, the abundant earth, the world of plants and animals, and the angelic kingdoms, they're all remarkable and even magnificent. But we are more like our creator than any of these things. We are the culmination of God's infinitely wise and skillful work of creation. Even though sin has greatly marred that likeness, we nonetheless now reflect much of it and shall even more so as we grow in our likeness to Christ. Yet we must remember that even fallen sinful man has the status of being in God's image. 
every single human being, no matter how much the image of God is marred by sin or illness or weakness or age or any other disability, still has the status of being in God's image and therefore must be treated with dignity and respect that is due to God's image bearer. This has profound implications for our conduct towards all others. It means that people of every race deserve equal dignity and rights. It means that elderly people, those seriously ill, the mentally handicapped, the children yet unborn, deserve full protection and honor as human beings. If we ever deny our unique status in creation as God's only image bearers, we will soon begin to depreciate the value of human life. We will tend to see humans as merely a higher form of animal and will begin to treat others as such. We will also lose much of our sense of the meaning in life. Isn't that wonderful? The last two sentences serve as a great warning to us. We get this biblical uh, worldview all the way up to that point, and then he says, as soon as we start seeing humans as anything less than the image bearers, we will soon begin to depreciate the value of human life. We will tend to see humans as merely a higher form of animal, and we will begin to treat others as such. We will also lose much of our sense of meaning in life. Is this not what is happening all around us and has been for a very long time? There's this war of worldviews here. So we have to understand that the arguments over the sanctity of life, when life starts, whose life is more important, the mother or the baby, and so on. These are not merely arguments of, of uh, intellect or even science. They definitely go that way, but at the core, the issue at hand is a war of worldviews. Here's the war. It's the Christian's biblical worldview versus the world's worldview. By worldview, I'm talking about the way in which we see the world and how all things function. The opposition here is that we as Christians see, or we're supposed to see, the world through the lens of Scripture. We understand the world and how it operates and how we are to operate according to what Scripture says. Versus the world's worldview, which is a view of the world completely blurred and misconstrued by the God of self and the full effects of sin. So when we approach an issue like the sanctity of life, we have to understand that we are looking at the same issue through completely different lenses. Where scripture helps us like the best pair of corrective lenses. I was already in here, I didn't say that for you. (laughs) Where scripture helps us see clearly. I still found a way. <laughs> Where scripture, like the best pair of corrective lenses, gives us clear vision. The world is blind. And they can't see, and they're trying to make sense of a world that they can't make sense of. It's important for us to understand that because when we come to these issues, we must come with grace and compassion, love, and mercy. We have to lovingly communicate carry out and uphold our biblical worldview without compromising the integrity of Scripture. So we as Christians, we must not approach or walk away from these issues assuming that we're right and they're wrong. No. We must see that we were once blind, but we can now see. We once lived in these ways, 
but we have been rescued, we've been redeemed. So when we come to these issues, we come with the hope of the gospel because it is only by God's grace that we have and can have a biblical worldview. And only through extending the hope of Christ in these dark places can others that are blind and broken receive the healing that they need. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Be looking at verses 25 through 27. We're going to be reading the parable of the Good Samaritan. And what we're going to see here is ourselves and how we, just like these in this parable, we fail to see the value of God's image bearers. We on our own, we cannot see the value of others as God sees them. It's only through Christ and the way in which he has shown us our value, our worth, by seeing our broken and helpless state and how he came and he showed compassion to us at great expense to him. What we will see is that we have been and even are at at times the man left for dead. We're the lawyer, we're the robber, we're the priest, we're the Levite. Christ is the one who came and had compassion on us And it is Christ who is telling us to go and to do likewise. Let's look at the word. Verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Go and do this, and you will live. Sounds simple, right? But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, And he fell among the robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him. And bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, (coughs) Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I return. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Church, we are surrounded by people every day that are just as this man. They're broken and they're helpless and left for dead. They've not been valued as an image bearer of God and probably have not valued the lives of others as they should. 
And church, outside of Christ, that's us. Because of our sin, we're broken, we're hopeless, and we're dead. But just as Christ, (laughs) who knew our value as God's image bearers, and who calls us to image God better by growing in likeness to him, he calls us to image God like the Samaritan. We are to see the value of these humans' lives, unborn, born, and even dying, and we are to show them compassion. Who are the neighbors in your life that, have, that you have devalued? You may have robbed them, taken what you needed, and left them. Who are these neighbors that you walk by on the other side? What have you taught your children about valuing human life as image bearers of God by the way you treat and talk about these neighbors? <laughs> Church neighbors, it's a lot deeper than what we make it out to be, right? Church, how are you going to go and do likewise? Is it by providing meals to homeless? Is it visiting the sick? Is it spending time with someone who might be lonely? Is it opening up your home to outsiders? Is it loving on a mom who has been through an abortion? Is it volunteering at a pregnancy center? Is it mentoring parents who've lost custody of their children and want to do whatever it takes to get them back? Is it adoption? Is it spending time at a homeless shelter? Is it foster care? Loving our neighbor is, our neighbor is messy. It's often inconvenient, and oftentimes it comes at great expense to us. What we see in this parable is we see the Samaritan who didn't consider any of those things. He didn't consider the mess. He didn't consider the inconvenience. He didn't even consider the cost of what it was going to take. He saw the dignity of a human life that had been devalued. Church, in your life, every single day, you walk by these people. I walk by these people. We have been these people. What the Samaritan saw was somebody created in the image of God. Somebody that that deserved to be cared for, to be loved, that was not to be left for dead. Somebody that was in a hopeless, helpless, broken state. When we talk about this difference between a biblical worldview and a worldly worldview, those who are outside of Christ, viewing the life through the lens of the world, they're broken. No matter what argument is given, no matter what their situation looks like, we know they are ultimately broken before an almighty God. And the only way to offer that is to be those who go and have compassion on them, not fighting and winning an argument, but preaching the gospel by being those who show mercy. So as we talk about the sanctity of human life, we're talking about all of life. We're talking about the way we raise our children, the way we love our spouse, the way we work with our coworkers, all life that we are around, all those we aren't around, the life we don't see and the life that we do see, all of it is sacred because it's created in the image of our holy creator God, different than all of creation.
all human life is sacred because God tells us so. As his image bearers, church, we're to glorify him. And we do that best by growing in our likeness to him as we saw in this parable. We can best do that by loving God and loving our neighbor. By these two things, all of the law is summarized, right? This can only be done through Christ. I made the little joke earlier that it sounds simple, right? Just love God with all you got and love your neighbor. Not so much. This parable shows us the depth of what that means. We can't do it. Only Christ has and only through Christ can we love our neighbor and love God with all that we have. Church, may we value life, all of life, because we see our value through the lens of the gospel. That Christ saw us, he came to us with compassion and mercy and may we do the same to the world as we go out these doors. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna sing another song and then we'll, we'll respond as we go. Father, thank you for life. Lord, and how your word shows us that it is sacred. Lord, from the beginning of creation, Lord, seeing your wise, wise plan to create humans in the likeness and the image of God. Lord, to bear your image. Lord, please forgive us where we fail to do that, where we fail to see our neighbor and the value that they have simply because they are human. But Lord, more than that, forgive us for where we walk by on the other side. Forgive us, Lord, for where we think the cost is too much. Lord, we ask that you give us eyes to see how, when, and where we can love these neighbors. Lord, who are the neighbors in our life that you have put in front of us? I know it's not a yes to every situation. But Lord, may our eyes be opened. May your Holy Spirit, your word, guide us. Lord, so that we can take the hope of the gospel to these dark places where people have no idea the value that they have as an image bearer of God. Lord, it's all in your name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Only for my 
announcement um we have end of giving uh end of the year giving statements back there at the the back by the giving box so if you want to go through those grab one those are there for you guys i'm going to read a benediction to us and then we will go this is, comes from hebrews 13:20. may the god of peace who brought again from the dead our lord jesus the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. We love you, church. Have a good day.